It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's up? What's happening, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I am so glad that you have joined me here today on this special hump day edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Today, we've got a special guest with me on the show, NBC Sports baseball writer Craig Calcaterra joins me. We're going to get his take on the Reds, some different thoughts he has on Nicholas Castellanos and Nick Senzel. Joey Votto. We we jump into all of it. But before we do, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and at Locked On Reds. Also save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Any reactions, questions, comments, whatever you've got, send them on over to Locked On Reds line. Tomorrow's episode will be based around Locked On Reds line questions, comments, and everything that you've got. So send them in at 513-549-0159. All right, so that's the intro. We're going to bring on, here. here's the interview with Craig Calcaterra. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, for today's Locked On Reds, we have a special treat. I have with me the Grand Pooba. Of NBC Sports Baseball. He is Craig Calcaterra, and Craig is with us today. He is going to talk with me about the Reds, give us a national perspective. I mean, I, I'm pretty excited myself, so I don't know. Maybe you're going to temper my excitement. Maybe you're just going to feed into this machine. But first of all, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I work from home and have been for 10 years. What is not to like about my life? That's pretty solid. I, 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 I venture to say you've got a very good work environment. It's not bad. I mean, the only thing is, you know, people forget that you work and I have teenagers and stuff. And so like literally as we're sitting here talking, my daughter is texting me from school like, what's for dinner? Can you drive me to work? I mean, like stuff like that. So it's amazing. That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on today. We are going to talk about the wonderful red legs. And as we were talking off air, I, I had scheduled this a couple of weeks ago and it just so happened that Nicholas Castellanos decided to become a red yesterday. And they announced him just earlier this morning. Let's start big picture here and we'll work our way smaller. How do you view the reds? Do you view them? Uh, uh, they've been busy 
this offseason, but has busy equated to productive work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you got to think about it, not just in terms of the Reds, but in terms of who their competition is. And if, you know, the Reds going from a 75 win team uh, were in the AL East, you know, are, are they going or in the AL West for that matter? Are they going to make up, you know, 30 games to, uh, you know, get into the playoff picture? No. I mean, that's hard to do. You can't do that in one season. Um not very easily unless you sign, you know, Barry Bonds in 1993 and become the Giants and win 30 <laughs> more games. But, um, you know, the NL Central can be had uh, at the very least. A wild card could be had out of the NL Central because what the Cards won it with 91 games last year. Yep. Uh, the Reds, even though they won 75, if you go by the Pythagorean record, they were probably about an 80 win team. They, they, you know, underachieved a little bit. Now it's kind of hard with the Reds because their offense could be so good and their pitching could be so bad. They skew the, the, uh, the run differential a little bit, but you know, there's reason to think that the Reds were probably even a better team, uh, in reality than they were in the one loss column last year. Uh, the Cardinals have done nothing this offseason except lose Marcelo Zuna. The Cubs have done nothing until literally today as we're talking. They signed Jeremy Jeffress, who the Reds almost signed last year and said, <sighs> nah, we don't want to. Um, and the Brewers have lost uh, Mike Moustakas. Oh, oh, by the way, he joined the Reds and Yasmani <laughs> Grandel. So, um, you know, the, the two teams above Cincinnati uh, are, I think, worse than they were last year. Cincinnati has added multiple good parts and there are already a lot of good parts about this team. I'm very, very high on the Reds right now. I'm not saying they're going to be a 105-win juggernaut, but I'm <laughs> saying that they should be very competitive in an NL Central that can be had. I, I'm so excited about this season. And obviously, Castellanos has just ratcheted up that excitement a ton because of his personality and his talent. Is he the best signing that they've made? I mean, I, I think I'm safe in saying that, but from your perspective, is that the best fit, talent, deal, all that good stuff? It's a very good fit um, in all but one respect. I mean, and you can't do anything about it. Castellanos, he's not a very good defender. I mean, right. he can't play third heat anymore. He's still a liability in the corners. Uh, but, you know, Reds are used to that, right? I mean, the Reds have had a history of guys that um, have hung around because they can smack the ball in a very uh, hitter-friendly park and not worry too much about going and chasing it. I mean, going all the way back to Dunn and Griffey and whoever. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they can weather that storm. They've won 90 games and made the playoffs before with bad outfield defense. They can handle it with Castellanos. Um, I will say, though, he's a perfect fit for that park. Um, you know, the story of last year was maybe a little exaggerated with him as far as how much he came out of his shell moving from the cavernous Comerica Park in Detroit to uh, the friendly confines in Wrigley Field. Uh, but he is a classic gap hitter and the huge alleys in Detroit didn't help him. The short porch and the very uh, hitter friendly environment in Cincinnati will probably continue what he was doing in Chicago, assuming he doesn't have injuries or things like that. All those doubles, and he used to hit a lot of doubles for the Tigers, turning into some home runs uh, is a really huge thing. And hey, even if he loses a, a bit of a pop, uh, hitting a lot of doubles off the wall is good too. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with doubles. Um, thinking of his fit in the lineup, that's something that I've been looking at because we've seen a couple of tough years from Joey Votto and all of us Reds fans, well, most of us Reds fans, some folks like to belabor his contract, but I'm not one of them. I love Joey Votto and I keep thinking that he's going to 
bounce back in some form or fashion. When you see both of these guys, they both profile as decent options to hit second or fifth. If if you were making the lineup, would you put Castellanos second and Joey fifth, or uh, would you keep it Joey second and Castellanos somewhere more toward the middle of the order? I'd probably put Votto second. I mean, I, I have real concerns about, you know, Joey Votto at age, his age 36 season becoming a power threat again, the way he used to be. He can still get on base. I mean, worst case scenario with Votto is he's going to have his old man skills, as they say, you know, <laughs> guys like Ricky Henderson, other great, great hitting eyes uh, in baseball history. That's the last thing to go. He's going to be able to draw walks and get on base, even if he can't hit the ball out of the infield anymore. I'm not saying he's not capable of hitting the ball out of the infield, but even right. if that were to happen, he's still a, a, a big, valuable guy to have at the top of the lineup uh, drawing walks. I mean, he still led the team in walks last year. Um, he's he's that guy. And, and heck, if he's second and he you know regains some of his old form a little bit, I think we've learned that right now, second is a great place to have your big bat. Um, Mike Trout hit second. I think that's, you know, says enough yep, that, so true. yeah so you know i would probably start the season uh with him second um you know and I, i'm not sure I, who did they lead off last year i'm, I'm mostly out. it was senzel it was kind of a revolving door after he got hurt but it was mostly senzel. yeah that didn't work i mean i don't know i guess to the extent that that winker's in the lineup he could um he gets on base pretty well i you know i'm not i'm not nearly into the Reds as much as you and your listeners are to, to be able to talk about that micro level of, of lineup construction with the team. But um, I, I still think Votto, in fact, it's perfect for Votto. He, he can't be the guy anymore who the offense revolves around. I think we know that. I mean, and he didn't last year. I mean, that's obviously uh, Suarez is the guy now. Yes. Um, so, you know, him and Castellanos in the middle of the lineup, whether you want to do three, four, whatever, that's, that's perfect for me. There is still much of Red's country that that hasn't gotten on board with this idea. I've been trying to get everybody on board with the idea that, look, what you have always complained about with Joey Votto, because there's always been these folks in Red's country that are just like, on base percentage, no, he needs RBIs. And it's like, look, it, especially now at this point in his career. My God, Marty Brenneman has brainwashed <laughs> an entire fan base. <laughs> I, look, I live in I, Ohio. I get it. I, I listen yeah. to a lot of Reds games, and over the years, I, I know how that all works because he was the same way with Dunn, and he was the same way with with Votto. But it's like, my God, what is wrong with people? Go look <laughs> at those seventy. Go look at the big red machine Reds, and tell me if uh, Joe Morgan drawing a lot of walks wasn't a big deal for them. My God, right? right. And, and, and uh, I just I take calls on the radio station. I working as a producer there and whenever I get to talking Reds with somebody they always mention that they're like yeah hopefully Joey can go back to hitting home runs and getting 100 RBIs and I just shake my head I'm like all right uh you know get ready to hold for me we'll uh and maybe get you on air in a minute I don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's I get it it's like a classic I'm kind of a baseball fan and in Cincinnati it's a baseball town right so everybody right. is kind of a baseball fan unlike in other cities like if you you know go to traditional football cities or, or cities that are big basketball cities or whatever you have hardcore baseball fans and then nobody else um, in right. Cincinnati baseball is such a fabric of the community that you know everybody kind of knows a little about baseball even if they don't they like to think they do and so it's just one of those things you just autopilot to, well, he's got to get them ribbies and like, okay, I get it. I, and I love it that, you know, people are at least halfway engaged in baseball. 
uh, more so than they are in a lot of other places. I think St. Louis is the only city that sort of rivals it as far as just being a town that is completely plugged into baseball all the time. But, uh, oh, it's maddening. Yeah, and I I think I tend to think um, along those lines that you know he he can have a three seventy three eighty on base percentage and that's really what we want to see from him. But kind of moving from uh, Joey to uh, let's look at a dude who with this Castellano signing his role is uncertain. We've actually mentioned his name already, and that is Nick Senzel. He is. Mm-hmm. As as some around Reds country were talking about, he's kind of like the prince that was promised through this whole rebuild thing, and we kept waiting on him, and they kept playing games with his service time and all this other stuff, and then finally he comes up to the major leagues last year, and sure, okay, he doesn't set the world on fire, but you can see flashes of his talent, but now it's like where are we going with him? Like we've got Shogo in center field and I know that he's still a bit of a question mark, but I think just from reading the tea leaves, it almost seems like the Reds trust him more in center field than they do Senzel. Do you get that from them? And what do you think about Nick Senzel? Well, I think the talk and, and, Let's preface this by saying, to the extent there's been talk, the only thing I've seen is John Heyman tweeting right. um, that you know the Reds might consider trading him. I really don't like the idea of trading Senzel. Uh, I mean, you'd be trading low on the guy to begin with. About a year ago, he was a blue chip prospect. Uh, all of a sudden, he has a you know less than stellar rookie year, and and you're going to unload him. You're not going to get any kind of value for him. I also think it um, discounts the fact that one, you asked him to change positions. He was or you're making him play center field, which is not an easy adjustment. He was injured uh, at the end of his AAA year, I think it was, 2018 mm-hmm. maybe, and then got you know banged up a little last year. There's always adjustment. Um, the guy he kind of reminds me of a little bit is uh, Scott Kingery in, uh, in Philly, who yeah. you know was an infielder, played some outfield, then they thought, oh, wait, he's a bust, but he's like only 24, 25. <laughs> you know, give the guy a chance. Let him, let him be a super ute this year. Um, you know, he could play some outfield, you know, you got close games, you take Castellanos out of the uh, outfield for defensive purposes, put Zenzel back in. I know he didn't like light up the joint, but he handled center field competently. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also the fact that, you know, gave Castellanos uh, two opt outs. Um, he might only be a one and done guy. If he has a monster year next year, he might hit the market again and be worth, you know, $27 million and be gone. Uh, and then, then where are you? Well, you're going to want Senzel back to play in the outfield is my guess. So, um, I think you keep him. You, you hope that he can uh, spell Mustakas at second base a little bit. You hope because again, Mustakas is playing somewhat out of position for him. I know he can handle second base, but that's not his traditional position. So you might want somebody else who could slot in there. Um, you know, shortstop is certainly up in the air right now. Uh, Galvis, I, I like the guy, but he's the weak link right now as far as offensively speaking. Um, so, you know, you might want to think about either splitting time with him, spelling him, moving him, doing something. So the, the talk about trading Senzel just seems wildly premature to me. I think they go to camp with them, sort out what they have. Spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. 
and on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona's known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training, everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. I I tend to agree with you. That's one thing that I've not been much on hitting on any sort of predictions, so I'm just waiting. I'm sitting back and waiting on this one because there's so many options. It's like turning on Netflix and trying to find a new show. You just end up watching The Office eventually, so I think he's (laughs) going to stay. I would love to see his role. Like I was talking with somebody uh, the other day. It's like I almost feel like, and I'd like to get your take on this this point as whole, and, and this is more about all of baseball than just the Reds, but with the whole idea and the overemphasizing of defensive shifts, how mm. important is it to have? And I know that, you know, there are Reds fans who were spoiled by Jose Iglesias last year. How important is it to have somebody like that at shortstop when you can just shift into an area that seemingly negates any need for that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's the thing. In some ways, you, you want somebody who could handle a whole side of the infield himself on certain kind of shifts. You want a guy who's going to be, you know, comfortable playing the other side of the infield on other kinds of shifts. I mean, that's, and some, you know, in some ways, that's why I'm not so concerned about Mustakas, man. He, he, right. He'll be able to be playing on both sides of the second base bag at various points, depending on what's going on. I mean, obviously, most of the time you shift to the first base side, um, but that means he'll be getting some help over there. Uh, I, I think you just want a guy who's competent with a glove overall as opposed to, oh, he's like the ace shortstop. I mean, obviously your ace shortstop is probably your best defender anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, flexibility is such that you can move guys around a little bit more now as long as they aren't just like complete iron glove clank guys. Yes, and, and that's the way that I'm thinking. I, I, the spring training is going to be very interesting from the positional standpoint, because it's almost as if we've loaded up the roster, and I say we, I, sometimes I say we, I don't work for the Reds. Uh, sometimes <laughs> the the Reds have loaded up the roster with seemingly third basemen and outfielders, except for, you know, Joey Votto and Freddie Galvis. Um, so to see how that all plays out is going to be very interesting. Moving from the hitting to the pitching. I'll just start out very easily. Where does this pitching staff rank in the in the National League, let's not go Major League Baseball, but in the National League, where does this pitching staff rank? Well, I'll start by saying it's pretty good for the Reds. Of yeah, yeah really, <laughs> I mean, really good. <laughs> I mean, the bar, the bar in Cincinnati for pitching in the last you know several years has definitely been pretty low. So uh, improvement is improvement. Um, I haven't really thought about where they fit overall. A lot of it depends on whether Bauer bounces back. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's weird, right? Because he... You know, on the one hand, I think that maybe his 2018 season was a bit out of, you know, his range and he's not that good. Uh, but, you know, certainly in isolated moments, he, he does look that good. It's not like he was like just lucky in 2018. He just looked like a dominant pitcher. And uh, last year he was until he wasn't. I think 
having a settled position in Cincinnati, at least for this season. This is Walkier, I think, right? Yes. Um, you know, having you know, plus having that also Bauer is an interesting cat when it comes to uh, thinking about free agency and stuff. He he's right. been claiming he's going to bet on himself and only sign one year deals and everything. And while I kind of guffaw at that a little bit, I also think he's totally the kind of guy who would go out and have a way amazing walk year just because that's just how his brain is wired. Um, plus, those driveline guys are now like working for the team, right? Like right. Kyle Body and whoever. Um, I I I am always skeptical of whoever the next guru is for anything, sure. um, and I'm not just talking baseball. I'm talking anything. Um, but you know, the guy's obviously gotten results. Um, it's worked for Bauer. He's a he's an even yeah evangelical guy for that sort of uh, <laughs> training. Uh, it can't hurt, right? I mean, there might be a couple of guys who who benefit from that. But uh, you know, adding Miley is good. Uh, you know, Castillo obviously had a nice season last year. Sonny Gray had a wonderful bounce back season. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it's a very solid, uh, rotation for a team that has good offense, right? I mean, you could, you could go to the playoffs with this rotation. Um, teams have gone to the playoffs with far worse rotations, um, in the past. So, uh, you know, it's, between the mid and upper pack, but it's you know, certainly not like a top tier rotation. They're not like going to knock the Dodgers off the off the front pages or anything like that, or the Mets even. I was talking with Dan Simborski, uh, I think it was last week I had him on, and he had done the Zips projections for the Reds just the last. Oh, yeah. Like I haven't two seen weeks. his projections yet. Yeah, yeah it was um, it was interesting because Zips actually has Trevor Bauer as the most valuable pitcher projected anyway, for the Reds. And I, I thought that was interesting because, like you said, like, I, I remember specifically, I was watching this game on television when the Reds went to Washington and Trevor Bauer gave up something like 12 runs in two innings. But it was like the third and the fourth inning. The first and the second inning, he went one, two, three, one, two, three, and I think he struck out five guys. And you're just like, dude, we've got an ace. And then all of a sudden he blows up, and you're like, is this the same guy? Like, did we I, have an opener? What happened? Yeah, I, I really do think that his thing is, I, I don't mean this pejoratively, I'm not slamming Trevor Bauer, but I really do think his thing is about mental approach yeah. um, and, you know, maybe mechanics and stuff and adjustments. He he has amazing stuff. And if you, you know, watch him a lot in 2018, like I did, I tend to watch more American League games, so I saw him with the Indians a lot more. Um, uh, just dominant, just absolutely dominant. Uh he he sometimes has issues replicating his mechanics, and I think he lets things get to his head a little bit, and he forgets his sequencing, and he forgets who he's trying to set up versus who he's faced already, um, which is odd because he's kind of a more intellectual style pitcher. Like he he's able to talk. Like I'm not talking about his Twitter account or anything, but just like if you hear him in interviews and stuff, right. you know that he knows about you know sequences and all that kind of stuff. I think he just forgets it in the heat of the moment. That could be a coaching issue. I know he's always been a prickly person and didn't always get along really well with his teammates in either Arizona or in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, I could see that kind of stuff going to his head now that he's going to be entering camp. He's you know going to Goodyear again, obviously, but on the other side of the field. Um, but with people he likes, with his with his driveline dudes, knowing where he's starting the season, um, I think he'll. I think he's primed for a bounce back. Uh, is he? Is he the you know one thirty ERA plus or whatever he was in twenty eighteen pitcher? No, probably not. But he's better than he showed in twenty nineteen. I agree. And I know, he was like a one ninety ERA plus in yeah twenty eighteen. He was like Cy Young material. He was nuts that year. And I, I think that's almost – it's like one of those things that's like, okay, that's probably 
the tippy top. I don't think we should expect that year to year, but maybe no, something no. a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit uh, more mild of that in between where we saw last year and that year. I, and I think uh, based on what you're saying, and we'll, we'll jump into, I want to get your take on the bullpen too real quick, uh, but uh, wrapping up Trevor Bauer, I just had a thought. And like you said, it's probably mostly mental. So the Reds should get Rumpke, and they should get Rumpke to sponsor this. They should get a Rumpke recycling <laughs> bin in the dugout and bang on it just to like zonk him out of being zonked out. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Major League Baseball is going to find anything that bangs <laughs> on a trash can in 2020 just for other reasons than that. Yeah, maybe not. Try, maybe a uh, maybe a bucket or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I just, he just needs a you know one of those like focus coaches or whatever those guys that are like, hey, here's what we're going to do, right? <laughs> yes, start start breathing through your left nostril. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so real quick, uh, I really appreciate your time uh, today talking with us. I wanted to get your take. I know that just about – I don't even know that there's one team in Major League Baseball, uh, let alone a handful of teams, that could look at their bullpen and say, we are completely satisfied. I mean, just about every baseball fan can look at their team and say, well, you know, if they just add another bullpen arm, we'll be set. How do you look at the Reds bullpen? I know that, uh, I, you know, they don't have like a stud like they used to have with Aroldis Chapman, but what's your take on it? Well, it's good bullpen, right? I mean, last year they were, I mean, the starters were getting the more of the press last year, but um, it was like, a, if I remember correctly, it was a between mid and upper tier. It was like a top six, seven maybe top five kind of National League bullpen, which is you know totally respectable for that team. And like Lorenzen had a really good year. Um, Iglesias, uh, I think Iglesias had a really good year too, didn't he? I mean, he was pretty good. It was solid. Um, yeah, it was decent. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's not like, oh, Fireman of the Year award situation, right. but solid arms. There, there are a lot of solid arms there. I know there was talk about adding some bullpen arms, but I think every team talks about that. Right. And it's the least predictable part of any team. Ask the Washington Nationals who went into – you know, every single season, the last few years, either loading up on bullpen or doing it at the break or whatever. And it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And they got lightning in a bottle for two weeks last year. It's, it's so hard to uh, describe. I don't think it's a huge liability. Um, I, I don't think that it's like a bad thing that they didn't get some stud. I, in fact, I think it would have been a, a bad use of resources for them to try to use the free agency market to, to, to acquire a, a, a solid bullpen arm, see what you got in spring training, start something in the middle of the year, beginning of the year. If it doesn't work, change at the beginning of, you know, May. Yeah, no. And, and I, I tend to agree with you and the non-roster invitees will be interesting. And got a lot of guys who, uh, you know, maybe health problems or something like that. If they can rein it in, maybe they can show some talent real quick before we go. What do you predict uh, their win total to be, about and I'm going to write this down and I'm going to like tweet you uh, relentlessly if it's wrong. No, I'm kidding. Oh no, you should actually. I, <laughs> as I always say, when we do our predictions at the beginning of the year at NBC, we we always say we are going to be wrong. We're always wrong. This is just for fun, um, because anyone who guesses this stuff and thinks they know what they're doing is just full of it. Because you know, <laughs> man plans, God laughs. You know how that goes. Um, I do think that this will be a a greatly improved Reds team. Uh, I'm going to put them, I think this team could challenge for like 90 wins. Nice. I think it, I think it could be a 90 win team. If things break well, I think they're going to be in the thick of the race all year long. They have a good chance to win this division. If not, I think they have a very solid chance to be a wild card team. 
I'm not the only one saying that the Reds are going to be playing meaningful baseball this year, and I love it. I love it. Craig, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Everybody, Craig Calcaterra, like I said, Grand Poobah of NBC Sports Baseball. You can find him on Twitter, at Craig Calcaterra. And uh, you probably follow him already, but just wanted to shout that out. So thanks again, Craig. I really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate Craig coming on and talking Reds with me. Uh, Real quick before we go, I know that news broke after Craig and I had talked. News broke of Eugenio Suarez having to have surgery on his shoulder to repair some loose cartilage. Said that he sustained the injury in a pool. During the offseason, and it literally just happened. There's a lot of people that are just like, well, well, if they knew about it, why'd they wait so long to get the?" It literally just happened. This isn't something that they'd been waiting to figure out if they needed surgery. This is something literally last second. But the the Reds tweeted that he will be ready near the beginning of the season. I think they're just avoiding like a hard and fast timeline of opening day and saying that he'll be ready for opening day. As it stands from folks, as I tweeted out, folks who know more medical stuff than I do, it's not that big a deal. It's something that he can recover from pretty quickly, and he should be good to go. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. Thanks again for listening to the Hump Day edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.